This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. How's everyone doing today? Are you a little? Are you a little beat up? Are you? Are you a little beat up like I am? I feel like it was just such a weekend filled with sports, where you had two Leaf games, you had you had two Raptor games, you had so much just going on, and then you had the NFC Championship game, which stunk. But at the very least, we had Trent Williams looking to murder everyone on the field late in that game. The AFC Championship game went down to the wire. We all thought it was going to overtime. Uh, Producer Chris, I don't know how you watched it. I watched it with friends. Shout out to the Peary's. uh, uh, One of my closest friends is a Chiefs fan. And we've done this now, like every year. At some point, we're watching these stupid games, and they're decided by three points. Remember the Patriots game a bunch of years ago that New England won because D. Ford was barely offside. And then last year, uh, the Bills Chiefs game. I was there. And then last night, all it is is a lot of takeout food and stress drinking. That was my night. So that tends to be my Super Bowl. Uh, when it comes to the conference games, I tend to watch them by myself. I know that's a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I like to focus in on what is going on. And I don't know, it, sometimes when you're with people, they distract you, but uh, there is nothing better than a good Super Bowl party. So I'm oh, with yeah. you there. Yeah, well, for, for me, I always bring my laptop, and I, I was with a small group of people, and they know. And, like, you know, with. At the half, I just sit and make all my notes. At the end of the game, I make my notes. At the end of last night, uh, we're just pouring a glass of port and just sitting there. And we're just like, like just emotionally drained uh, watching the end of that AFC Championship game. Yeah, there's no doubt that uh, that was uh, that was, that was among the best games we've seen all year. Despite some of the uh, it was ugly. questionable officiating we saw at oh, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get all that. It was a lot of it was an ugly game. Um, and the and the officiating wasn't very good, but it just it'll get lost. But is there anything scarier than angry, Trent, no. angry no. Trent Williams? Like near the when that game was done and it was just dirtiness on both sides, and some dude is punching some other dude in the chest, and and then Trent Williams grabs a guy uh, cornerback for for the Eagles and just choke slams him on the ground. It's like oh my! If I was any member of the Eagles, I'm like run! Everyone just run! Trent's angry. <laughs> Even by offensive tackle standards, he is a behemoth. Yeah, he really is. Um, I want to make a reference to the movie Blazing Saddles. Um, I asked Al's brother if he'd seen Blazing Saddles. He said no. I said it was uh, by Mel Brooks. He said, who is Mel Brooks? And now, I, I, again, I, I want to choke slam everyone around here who is 30 and under who doesn't get any of my references. Yeah, no, if you don't want the same answer, I would <sighs> advise not asking me as well. So I in Blazing Saddles, when Mongo comes strolling into town, punches a horse, and everyone says, never mind that bleep, here comes Mongo. I give that line to you, and that means nothing, does it? No, I mean uh, less than nothing, perhaps. Moving on. <laughs> Even less than nothing. Also, a shout-out, have you ever seen a movie called Goodfellas? Yes, I have seen that. It was quite a while ago, but yes. And did you notice what they did if you caught the beginning of I did the... see that. I did see that. That was fun. Kyle Brandt, Fox, and everyone a part of the AFC Championship game. I think it was Fox. Um, incredible. They started with um, 
with Kyle Brandt from the NFL Network playing, uh, doing the role early on in Goodfellas. So one long tracking scene as they're going through like the Copacabana. It, it, like, it's one of the greatest scenes in film history. And Kyle Brandt doing the Ray Liotta role. It was so well done. It was so well scripted. Good on the NFL, the producers, Kyle Brandt, everyone involved who put that together. That was a great moment. I thought it was interesting how they just grabbed random people to play the role of the players that they were supposed to be imitating. Yeah. It wasn't as though they grabbed the actual players. I thought that that added... actual players wouldn't want to do it. Right, right, know. right. But I thought that that added like a nice kind of quirky little element to it where they were yeah. just random people. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was super, super cool. Um, we'll do our best to get into all things. Actually, we will do Raptors. we got Josh Lumenberg at 2.30. Raps are taking on the Suns tonight, a game you can listen to right here on TSN 1050. And by the way, as you just heard at the end of Leafs Lunch, uh, John Tavares, happy 1,000-game John Tavares to assist uh, in the win against Washington. will be on overdrive today at 4.05. I wonder if Tavares would have been available if the Leafs had lost to Washington, the manner in which they'd lost to Ottawa on Friday. But onwards and upwards, they beat Washington. Great bounce-back win for them. But let's get to it. Let's get to my opening thought. Time now for Matt's opening thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? And here we go. I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! There are so many takeaways from the AFC Championship game. On one level, it was ugly as hell. Early on, the Bengals couldn't block. Ugly. Third quarter, Mahomes is limping around like a 65-year-old after playing two hours of pickup basketball at the Y. Joe Burrow had two picks. Chiefs tried that stupid hook and ladder like it was 82 playoff game between the Dolphins and the Chargers. No one's going to get that reference. All those penalties, 13 accepted. Speaking of penalties, the officials were horrible. Now, I don't believe in conspiracy theories in the NFL. I save that for early 2000s NBA playoffs. Please, NFL's going to do a conspiracy? You know, uh, David Stern and the NBA from 2000, like, hold my beer. You see, the NFL does not need to rig any game. They always win. They always make all the money. They get all the ratings. You could have a quarterback matchup between Putin and Kyle Rittenhouse, and the game would still be a massive success. Early on, KC getting hosed by calls. Later, it was absolutely on Cincy. That bizarre third down replay for KC and, of course, the missing holding penalty uh, on that Mahomes uh, run on third and four. Finally, we've got the very easy GOAT storyline. I'm not talking about greatest of all time. I'm talking about who the one guy that we can blame. And that is, of course, Bengals defensive end Joseph Asai. And we all knew at the moment that it happened. When he hit Mahomes as Mahomes was running out of bounds, it was so dumb. You knew it and I knew it. Penalty, and now instead of trying a 60-yard field goal and maybe KC's got time for one more play, it's a 45-yarder. No, so he's the perfect goat. And we all saw it. It was a dumb play. It played such a big part in Kansas City winning. Now, I, like so many of you, went from what an idiot and I think it's Osai I think I keep saying OC I apologize um, I, like many of you I, I was watching this Bengals defender and the first 10 seconds I'm like idiot dummy 
And then you see he injured his leg, and then you see him in tears on the sideline. I'm like, oh, damn, now I just feel bad for him. And then especially, you know, we saw that video afterwards of the team walking to the locker room and his teammate, uh, Jermaine Pratt, yelling at him, why the bleep did you touch the quarterback? But instead, what I want to do here, I want to focus on the youngest quarterback in NFL history to reach 10 career playoff wins, Patrick Mahomes. Now, there have been plenty of more spectacular performances by quarterbacks in the playoffs. Hell, just go back to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes from their epic playoff game last year. Tom Brady versus the Falcons, a bunch of Aaron Rodgers games, Joe Montana in any Super Bowl, Doug Williams, Steve Young, I could go on. But what we saw from Mahomes was, that was for me the most heroic, gutty game I've seen from a quarterback with so much at stake. I was looking at my notes from halftime and I wrote Mahomes' mobility. Remember, this was at halftime. This is before I really got hurt. I wrote that his mobility looks somewhere between fine and good-ish. But you could tell that he ain't 100%. Then came the moment where his body broke down. A little over nine minutes to go in the third quarter. Mahomes, short pass to McCall Hardman for 11 yards. By the way, McCall Hardman got hurt on that play, and that was bye-bye for him, just like all the chief receivers. And, and if you go back and look at that play, he was getting chased by Jermaine Pratt. And afterwards, he is limping. And the limp hit another level after this point. I mean, he was already moving around gingerly. By the way, I don't feel like we use the word gingerly, except when we're talking to an athlete who is injured. Anyway, subject for another day. Uh, but, th- but that hit took his limp to another level. He was running like Bernie Kosar. Okay, another dated reference, but anyone 40 and over, you know what I'm talking about. Peter King, in his uh, Monday column, said that the Chiefs VP of Sports Medicine and Performance, Rick Burkholder, went up to Mahomes soon after that play and said, Are you okay? Mahomes hissed at him. Leave me alone. And yeah, there were ugly moments, the falling down fumble, the ill-advised lateral plays. But then there was also that 19-yard touchdown pass to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It was such a tiny window. It was on third and ten. It gave Kansas City a 20-13 to lead. It was a heroic moment. Mahomes had no running game. He lost Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, Kadarius Toney. All of them left the game at some point with a variety of different injuries. The Bengals were doubling Travis Kelsey. Mahomes was as physically compromised as any quarterback can be. Yet he did just enough, like that five-yard run on third and four, to help set up the winning field goal. So now Mahomes gets to add one of those moments that we talked about on Friday to his illustrious career. He has the broken-down body win in the AFC title against a good defensive team in the Bengals. That's far more impressive than Michael Jordan having the flu against Utah. I wonder how Baltimore Raven fans or even members of the organization, I wonder how they were feeling watching that game. Knowing that Lamar Jackson, by a lot of reports, could have played against that same Bengals team earlier in the playoffs, and he chose not to. Now, I'm not saying that Jackson was 100% healthy or that he took the cowardly slash business way out, but I bet I wasn't the only one who couldn't help but draw the comparisons to Mahomes' heroics versus Jackson's hesitancy. In the end, you can remember this game for being ugly, being an exciting down-of-the-wire game, you can focus on the officials or say it's a mistake. But for me, it'll be about Mahomes. It'll be about the 19-yard touchdown pass. It'll be about him doing what we love the most in sport, 
the leader of a team where the stakes are at the highest, finding a way to will his team to a win, even when his body is yelling and screaming, I can't do this anymore. An incredible, heroic performance by Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, I think I might take the Eagles as a two-point favorite. And that is my opening thought. I'm finished. I couldn't believe the Eagles or the Chiefs were first underdog or the Chiefs were favorite by like uh, two points or something moments after that game. The the line then swung back and, and now uh, the Eagles, I think, are about a point and a half favorite. But um, yeah, th- th- that for me there, Chris, that was as gutty as it, as it got. Like just you, Patrick Mahomes, nothing about him screamed um, athlete watching him out there. No, you're right. He looked very stiff. He looked rusty. But, I mean, that's what the great ones do, right? The great ones overcome in spots where they're not supposed to. And I think you're right. It's another notch in his belt, and he gets another chance to add one more in two weeks' time. I did think that the Lamar Jackson comment was interesting because, you know what the one distinction between those two players is, you know? Well, there's a couple. One, uh, Mahomes already got paid. That's it. He's got the full financial security. Um, Lamar Jackson has been very well compensated throughout his career compared to normal humans, but compared to a young quarterback who's won an MVP, the man is staring at minimum $200 million. Oh, yeah. I mean, if the, Ravens, if the Ravens wanted him out there, they know exactly how they could have gotten him out there. Give him a contract that he wants. They did. That it's he, just, it's just Lamar. Well, that now you're giving. Now the only way you're doing that is you're giving the same sort of hundred percent guaranteed money that uh, Deshaun Watson got from Cleveland. And the only reason Cleveland did that is that team is desperate. That team has not had a good quarterback in ages. Yeah, and stupid. <laughs> you know, and bad management. That's why they're all. That's why Cleveland is usually bad year in and year out. And that's why I'm not killing Lamar Jackson oh, for his decision. And yeah, there is a difference. But I, at one point in that game, just watching, like Mahomes was, Mahomes looked and moved like like Ben Roethlisberger at the end of Ben's career. Just this stiff thing, you know, sort of lumbering around. Like it was painful to watch Mahomes, and I couldn't help but think if I was a Ravens fan, both things you can have both things here. You can have yeah, I I see what what uh, what Lamar Jackson was doing, but at the same point. He made a business decision. And people can say, well, Lamar doesn't trust the doctors. Well, why should the Ravens maybe fully trust Lamar Jackson? All those thoughts were going through my mind at one point during that game. And when looking at the the moment for Mahomes and how he stepped up, it kind of feels like he just solidified his place as the game's greatest. I know we we spent so much hot air, so much time in the last week talking about Joe Burrow, has he surpassed Patrick Mahomes? It it feels like such a moot (laughs) point after yesterday, doesn't it? It does. And um, Burrow was good, not great. Didn't have a lot of help from his offensive line early. Two interceptions. One of them wasn't, it was kind of like a deflected pass. I'd have to go back and look at it again. Um, But yeah, no, Mahomes is number one. But they deserve, and we'll get to it in the next segment. They deserve to be the underdog. Um, the question with Philly, and we got some sound on this. You know what, Leo? Well, let's take a break. We'll, uh, we'll just continue the football talk um, on the other side. Uh, and, and Stephen A. Smith brought up a good point about who the Eagles have and have not faced at quarterback this year. And we'll, uh, we'll get into that more and just continue the talk about the AFC and the NFC Championship game. I'm Matthew Cause. You are listening to Gameplay, which, of course... As always, is brought to you by FanDuel. Been on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I'll tell you the I made only one bet one bet this weekend, and it did pay off. And we'll get into that next. 
Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause, TSN 1050. You've heard this for last week. Um, we are here for you, and we want you to be the unofficial correspondent at the Waste Management Open in Arizona. So, how do you become such an individual? Well, you're going to listen to First Up this week for the Daily Waste Management Keyword. Now, if you hear it... Be sure to tune into Overdrive that same day. And when you hear the cue to call, call us in studio at 416-870-1050. The first caller through with the correct keyword for that day wins a $100 Golf Town gift card and qualifies for the grand prize draw. Now, that grand prize, you're going to get airfare for two to Scottsdale, Arizona. You're going to get a four-night hotel stay for two. You're going to get two tickets to the Waste Management Open for the closing weekend. $500 Golf Town gift card. Custom full bag fitting at Golf Town Studio X. And $500 cash to spend on the trip. First up with Korolnik and Koliakovo. They're going to be calling the grand prize winner on Friday. Full contest details available at tsn1050.ca. And producer Chris, as someone who has not golfed uh, in a while, when I hear Golf Town Studio X, I'm assuming it's some sort of nightclub. That's, uh, that's what I'm uh, imagining. The name definitely gives yeah. off that kind of vibe, but I would be lying if I uh, pretended to know otherwise. Yeah, no, that uh, that that feels to me like it's uh, it's like drinks in uh, in little small mini putters. You know, uh, there's different you know mixed drinks: the hole in one, the albatross, the eagle. You know, there there there's a whole thing you could do with with Golf Town Studio X. I don't know, Golf Town, if you guys need any help with your promotional, but mm-hmm. uh, it seems like this gentleman yeah, here with I'm us here has some you. great ideas. I'm here for you. Like, for instance, we could have, like, uh, and this, there could be a lot of different bars. There could be, like, the the bars serving local beer and local wine. That could be the, oh, there's the Islington Golf Course, and there's the St. George's, and then, and then you know, the, there's the private, you know, VIP lounge. That, of course, that's the Augusta Room. Come on, you're telling me I should be designing Studio X. Maybe I just like saying X with that creepy S on the end. Yeah, no, I was kind of wondering why you <laughs> why you did that the first time. I was going to let it go, but yeah, uh, you brought it back up. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Speaking of creepy, give me the Cincinnati mayor. Well, let's just let's get this out of the way because after the game, everyone from KC was basically giving two middle fingers to the Cincinnati mayor because he was getting all chesty leading up to the AFC Championship game. And here's him um, just... You know, before the AFC Championship game, uh, just doing stupid mayor things. Good afternoon, Cincinnati. I have a proclamation from the desk of the mayor. Be it proclaimed, whereas the Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Burrowhead Stadium for their second consecutive AFC Championship game. Whereas at last year's game, the Bengals scored more points than the Chiefs, resulting in a Bengals victory and a Chiefs loss. Whereas Joseph Lee Burrow, who's 3-0 against Mahomes, has been asked by officials to take a paternity test to confirming whether or not he's his father. The delivery stinks. The, um, the writing is like C. C level, like That's just generous. Yeah, I'm being nice. C minus level. I mean, it was just so lame. It was so the mayor going, ah, what can I do that's easy? But I wonder, I bet Bengal fans were not happy during oh, it. No. I bet Bengal fans are like, hey, shut the bleep up, okay? Shut up right now. So you and I talked about this before the show today. I think it's fascinating how during these big events, particularly the NFL conference finals, 
people get so uh, worked up and they want to be part of the thing so bad, they want to jump in and ha- they think they're helping. They're like, I'm supporting my contingent. Go Bengals! Yeah. When the reality is, I, I think the, the comments were just so stupid. All you're doing is putting additional pressure on the team yeah. that you supposedly want to win. And on top of that, you're setting yourself up for the worst kind of like backlash, like ridicule after the oh, fact. Yeah. It is such an ill-advised thing by the mayor to do that. It's just dumb. It's stupid. And it's, it's, it's going for the, you're just going for the easy. You're going for the easy right there if you're the mayor. Um, but you're right. You, you set yourself up. And uh, you know what? Let, let's quickly go through the wheel of sound, uh, all things related to the mayor, starting with the head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. Here is Andy Reid talking about uh, the Cincinnati mayor. Our guys did a great job of not going that direction. Their mayor said it all. So I'm glad our mayor just did what he did, and some people heard it. Let that be a lesson to all the mayors out there. Just shut up. Also, I wonder how uh, how the mayor was feeling when the Chiefs had to punt in the fourth quarter. Bengals had the ball with like six, seven minutes to go, and the score was tied at 20. I bet the mayor was going, ha-ha, this is all working out for me, and then it didn't. Uh, continuing on that, let us go. Ba-ba-ba. Okay, Travis Kelsey, uh, the mayor of Cincinnati, shut your mouth. Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. You got to fight for your right to party. <laughs> and more Travis Kelsey, and this one doesn't need to be bleeped. It's Mahomes' house. Yeah, I mean, first off, I just want to thank God, man. So, like, if Rob Gronkowski is the ultimate meathead, frat dummy, um, axe body spray, then is, like, Travis Kelsey uh, the VP of partying down? Like, like where, so. where is Kelsey on that? I would say so. I, you know what it is? I think Kelsey, he is into fashion, and he very openly promotes mm. it. So I feel like it kind of tones down the, the jock stereotype. Yeah. But make no mistake, he is a VP that any president could rely on. He's VP of bro down. He's the VP <laughs> of bro down. Wait, 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 hold on, though. Kelsey is in fashion. Is it, uh, is it Ed Hardy? Is it Affliction T-shirts? <laughs> like, like, what are we talking about? Like, is it mesh? What are we talking about here? You know what? Surprisingly, I think I did. I did see him wearing a mesh thing once, mm-hmm. but no, I think it's more like trendy stuff, uh, stuff that would not be on my radar were it not for him. Yeah. Uh, the NFC Championship game, there really isn't much to talk about. The Eagles beat the 49ers 31-7. to um, It's hard to win when your third and fourth string quarterbacks get hurt. Wow, shocking. Yeah, like just. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of uh, NFL analysis you're not going to find on other shows. Only on. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, Brock, I mean, the, the best player uh, on the field was Hassan Riddick. Um, for for the Eagles yesterday. Just a beast all over the place. He was the one who injured Purdy. Strip sack Purdy, forced him out of the game. Then he sacked um, Josh Johnson when 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 San Fran was trying late in that first half, down 14-7. They got a little too aggressive, shouldn't have done it. And then you had Reddick come in, sack Johnson, fumble. Eagles get the ball back. Boston Scott touchdown, 21-7. Game is over. 
So here, here is a stat. Um, after Josh Johnson got hit to the turf by Indomitian Sue, I'm like, oh my God, Indomitian Sue is still in the league. I had completely forgotten. And then Johnson got the uh, concussion. Now Johnson is out. Now you're bringing back Brock Purdy in the game. From that moment on, and there was almost the entire second half, 12.30 left in the third quarter. So basically, in almost an entire half of football, San Fran managed one first down and 27 yards of offense on 16 snaps. So early in that third quarter, they got 27 yards. But we'll play the sound later because we've got to go. Josh Lundberg is going to join the show. But Brock Brady said, yeah, I, I couldn't pass the ball. Like, I couldn't throw the ball more than five yards. And we all knew what was going to happen. So, here comes the, spray, here comes the uh, screen for Christian McCaffrey. It was, uh, it was painful to watch. I don't, I don't know if there's any yeah. other way to frame it. Um, I, I do want to ask you, though. You know, it, it, it's such a sad ending to his season. But did he show you enough, if you are the 49ers, that he enters next season as your starter? I think it's going to be a fascinating discussion because it's not like they're lacking for options. They obviously have Trey Lance. They think he's going to be back and healthy. They have the Tom Brady stuff. Like They really are not lacking for options. Here's what he's, he's earned himself. A bit of the benefit of the doubt. That in training camp next year, it's not, oh, well, we got to go to Trey Lance. We gave all those draft picks for. No, 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 no. It's like, okay, who's going to win this battle? You know, that's it. It's, it's, you've earned some of the benefit of the doubt. I would have a lot of respect for the 49ers if they could, like, if they admit that, hey, you know what? Purdy is the better option. We don't care how many draft picks we traded for Trey Lance. Yep. We're going we're gonna to make the decision that is right for this football team or the one that we think is right for this football team. I would have a, a lot of respect for that. On the other side, Josh Lewenberg is going to join the show. He wrote about what is the future of OG Ananobi and what are our takeaways from a weekend that started ugly but certainly ended strong. We get into the Raptors next on Gameplay. Twitter's a fun place, isn't it? You can get so many different opinions. <laughs> Knocking into one another. Yahoo Sports Canada. Nick Nurse credited the Raptors' cohesion after win versus the Blazers. And I scroll up one. Oh, there's old Shams from the, uh, the Athletic talking about how Nick Nurse's future as Raptors head coach is expected to come into focus this summer with uh, there being some conflict among staff and players at the head coach uh, uh, towards Nick Nurse. Well, joining me now, by the way, this is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cows, right here on TSN 1050, is another reporter and writer and did a nice column uh, and actually had some interesting stuff about the future of OG and Anobi, and we'll get to that with him in a second. Um, but uh, Josh Lundberg... What the hell's going on? Can we can we not have a couple of days of peace with this team? <laughs> not at this time of the year, cause no, no, like like none at all. You know, I wanted to start with a nice traditional conversation where I asked you um, journalistic irresponsible questions about the future of Ananobi and trade deadlines. But now we're going to start here. Um, um, anything that you've heard or just any tea leaves about any sort of um, I don't know distress between between the organization, the players, and the head coach. Um, not anything more than, than what I've heard and seen over the last few months. I mean, listen, this has been a tough season for everybody involved. And when you're underachieving the way that the Raptors have, when you've fallen short of 
expectations, both internal expectations and what everyone thought that this team would be, there are, I mean, one, there are a lot of people that should be held accountable, including the head coach and the coaching staff. And there are a lot of people that are are going to be disappointed with themselves and with each other. And yeah, I I mean, when, when a team is losing, these things happen and these things come up. And, And in terms of Nick Nurse's future with this team, I don't think it's in jeopardy. I don't really think it's in doubt at this point. I mean, he's one of let's, – let's put it this way. If he were to at any point become available to other teams through whatever mechanism, uh, he, he would be highly coveted because, of course, he is one of the most well-regarded coaches in the league. And that's not to say that he's going to be here forever and that the Raptors – can't or shouldn't or wouldn't move on eventually because he's a good coach. I mean, sometimes these things happen, but I I don't think we're anywhere close to that point yet. The reason why all this is coming up, of course, is that Nurse's contract expires at the end of next season. And just the way that things go, you generally, coaches generally don't want to go into the final year of their contract without some certainty of what comes after that. Obviously, there's a term for that in professional sports, a lame duck head coach. So that, that's not a situation that, that Nurse, I would imagine, wants to be in. It's not a situation where the Raptors want him to be in. So, yeah, among the many decisions, big franchise-altering decisions that Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster and ownership and everybody have to make, here, I mean, first of all, over the next 10 days leading up to the trade deadline, but then ultimately leading into this offseason, the coaching situation is one of those decisions that will have to be made at some point in the near future. You know what the weird thing is about, about this road swing that the Raptors are on and their game is on tonight? You can hear it on TSN 1050, Raptors and Suns. You'll get to hear Josh Lewenberg a little later on tonight. Is that it feels like every game right now is a referendum on the near future and maybe the long-term future of the Raptors. They go, uh, you know, if if they lose to Portland instead of beating them on Saturday, uh, maybe we're now a step closer to OG Ananobi getting traded. But if they beat the Phoenix Suns and, and they have a win, and they win their next couple, then it's like, no, the Raptors are going to be buyers. Like, this is the part that feels both kind of fun and interesting, but also irresponsible, where we're taking the smallest sample sizes and saying this could be the tipping point that makes Masai Ujiri and the organization go in one of two very profoundly different ways. I'm pleased that you brought this up because it's been on my mind a lot lately because it's been out there a lot lately. I've seen this a ton, this narrative, a ton over the last few days, especially that this road trip and the results on the trip will be crucial in determining whether the Raptors are a buyer or a seller and what they move, who they move, how much they move. And it's like, okay, maybe there's some truth to it. And I'll get to that in a second, just because I I think it's natural at this point, given that the Raptors are sort of trying to evaluate and decide what they're going to do that any game, any day that passes between now and the deadline is obviously going to impact the decision to some degree, but I do think it's overstated in the sense that we are 50 games into the season. By this point, Ujiri, Webster, even even us, like right, we, we have a pretty good idea of, of who this team is and, and what they can be to the point where, like, yeah, if they lose the next four games, if they split them, if they win all four, is that going to change drastically what the team does? I say no, 
because this is more than just the next 30 games. This is about more than just this season. The Raptors are evaluating what to do. Like, moving any of these guys alters the future of this team well beyond this season to the point where, like, they're not – these are smart, well-informed people that aren't going to let a couple games influence the decision that they make for years to come, right? So – I think by this point, they, they've evaluated all possible scenarios. They've thought about them. they planned for them. And I think they have a pretty good idea of how they'd like things to shake out. But ultimately, that doesn't matter if the deal that they are hoping is out there isn't out there. And that's why I think what's ultimately going to determine the direction at the deadline is going to be the market and what's out there on – February 9th, more so than anything that happens leading up until that point. But let's put it this way. There's almost no scenario in which the Raptors make a deal before February 9th. It would make no sense. Like, I know that Washington just made a trade with Rui Hachimura, and even at the time I'm thinking, like, why are you you getting ahead of yourself here? Unless you're absolutely sure that you're getting – what you want, and there's not going to be a better offer out there. Why would you pull the trigger on something before you absolutely have to? So, yeah, I, I mean, every moment leading up to that February 9th trade deadline, I'm sure there's going to be decisions that need to be made, and and, and they're going to be going through all of this, but I, I don't expect that anything will be done until then. Yeah, and it's funny. It's something I've been thinking about as well. I'm like, wow, every, every game could, could mean they blow it up, but then they hit a good third quarter, so they're keeping it out right. Um, <laughs> moving on, um, you, what was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? Uh, you know, they, they lose to Golden State where the defense wasn't there. They beat Portland 123-105. Um, if, for me, if I look at it on the positive, it would be Precious Achua and Scotty Barnes. Uh, but what was your biggest takeaway from this weekend? Yeah, probably that. Precious Achua and Scotty Barnes specifically. I mean, it's, it's, it, you look at their seasons, and that's it, the, the, it's a reminder of why patience is so important with young players. You can sort of link them together there because I think a lot was expecting of bo- of, expected of both players going into the season. I mean, obviously, Scotty Barnes coming off the Rookie of the Year season, but even Precious Achua coming off of a really strong second half of the year, and both of them were at their best post-All-Star last year, I think everyone just figured, okay, it's natural now that they take the next step to start this year, and then they continue to evolve and develop as the year goes on. But as we know, development isn't always linear, and we we forget these things. I think everyone's guilty of it when a a player experiences growing pains or kind of hits that bump in the road, and and you wonder, well, why, why are they going in the opposite direction all of a sudden? But I, I think whether you look at the inconsistency of those guys early in the season or some injuries that they dealt with, there are various reasons why what happened happened, but here they are now, and I, I think both of them, not only back on track to playing kind of close to where they were at this point last year, but they've exceeded it now. Both of them are playing the best basketball of their career, and I think specifically when it comes to Achua, if we go back to the the trade deadline discussion of of what the approach is leading up to February 9th, the fact that Achua is showing these signs of continued development and playing as well as he's playing, 
it, it opens things up, creates some some possibilities that might not have been there if not for these last couple of weeks and, and how Achua is playing to the point where, I don't know, maybe a few guys on this roster become expendable if that's kind of the, the, the path that they want to continue to go in. And it's one of the things that I have heard over the last few days is that among the many things that the Raptors are going to be considering and prioritizing going to the deadline, one of them is creating a path to – getting more out of Achua or putting him in a role where he can potentially do more. Maybe that means clearing a starting spot for him, but I know the Raptors are really high on Achua. He's what we talked about contracts earlier. He's one of the guys that you're going to have to decide on in the near future. He's eligible for an extension after this season. So, yeah, I think regardless of what path they choose, whether they're going to be fighting for a play-in spot or or fighting for lottery balls, I, I think in either scenario, you want to see what you have in Precious Achua. I think that's going to be both he and Scotty Barnes getting them as much reps, as many, as much experience in, in bigger roles as you can over the last third of the season. I think that's going to be a big part of it moving forward. Last question for you, and again, joined by Raptors reporter Josh Lewenberg, and you can listen to the Raps Suns tonight right here on TSN 1050. Uh, what is the latest uh, update status? What do we know about the health and the eventual return of OG Ananobi? Yeah, well, he was ruled out for tonight pretty quickly, which isn't a great sign. It sounds like he was wearing a brace on that sprained wrist at, at shoot-around. We're still waiting. I mean, I would imagine the Raptors have gotten the results of his MRI that, that he took over the weekend by now. It's just a question of when we get that news and, and what it ultimately means. I mean, you, you cross your fingers and hope for the best for a few reasons. I mean, even just for Ananobi, He's a guy, as we know, that, that has dealt with some brutal injury luck over the course of his career, and this is as healthy as he's been this season. So I, I think for the player standpoint, from the team standpoint, and even potentially, as I talked about, with, with you want as many options, if you're the Raptors, as you can have going into the deadline. And if Ananobi, who's a player, of course, who's come up quite a bit in the rumor mill, even going back to last summer, if he's not healthy and if he's expected to miss a uh, uh, significant amount of time here we don't know that that's the case but if that's the case that could impact his market I don't know that that means that you absolutely cannot trade the guy that nobody would want to trade for him but considering I I would imagine a lot of the teams that are most interested in acquiring a player like that those teams are probably contenders they're looking at this in the short term and probably want to get him in the fold as quickly as possible we saw this last year with Miles Turner right he's that's a name that came up quite a bit and then he got hurt just before the deadline, and all of a sudden his market completely changed. So for a lot of reasons, I think a lot of people are hoping that Ananobi, that the fall, as scary as that was the other night, looked worse than it ultimately ended up being, and that he'll be back soon. Josh, appreciate it. <clears throat> well, that sounded bad. Let's try this again. Hey, Josh Lumberg, appreciate as always the information and knowledge and depth that you provide unto this show. You have a great day, and we'll hear you tonight as the Raptors are taking on the Phoenix Suns. Thanks, Kyle. Talk soon. Take care. That is our Raptors reporter, Josh Lewenberg. And also beyond uh, before Raptors and the Suns, we also have John Tavares is joining Overdrive just after 4 o'clock today. Um, Producer Chris Horvat on a scale of 1 to 10. How gross was that noise I made as I was trying to say goodbye to our Raptors reporter? Uh, I think you broke the scale, buddy. Uh, 
but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It happens. Uh, you are an <laughs> utmost professional at uh, <laughs> the vast majority of times, and nobody should look at you and uh, base their opinion of you on one moment. One two-second disgusting moment. You know, I got a glass of tea here, just uh, just fighting it. Just fighting it. You got some cream in that thing, pal? I got one of them healthy teas. What is a healthy tea? I don't know. Like It's got like ginger or jasmine or something. I don't know. It's just, now that makes it healthy. Uh, green makes, tea, makes sense. something, you know. There's, there's Ginseng. Ginseng. Sure. I don't know what ginseng is. I don't know either. Actually, it's a good point. What is ginseng? It's a spice or a... A herb or... Herb or... 11 herbs and spices. I don't know. All right, on the <laughs> other side, Matt's Monday mood meter. Oh, this should be just a delight. That's coming up next right here on Gameplay. Happy birthday to Phil Collins, who is 72 years old today. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. Brought to you by FanDuel, but in all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I feel I could do a really cheesy, hacky segue from this song, which is called Land of Confusion, to the officiating in the AFC Championship game yesterday, but I'm not going to do it because I'm a professional and I don't go for hacky C-plus level jokes. What do you think I am, the mayor of Cincinnati? Let's do it. We do it each and every Monday. Time now for Matt's Monday Mood Meter. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. It's Matt's Monday Mood Meter. Are you kidding me? This baby is off the charts. On TSN 1050. Mondays live here. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Yeah, my throat has got a case of the Mondays. I... I'm going to be needing just like a gallon of tea. And the thing is, I feel good. I feel healthy. I feel fine. You know, I'm in studio because I wanted to be here. I'm excited. And yet part of me just sounds so damn gross. But we're going to get through this. I'm like Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to find a way to overcome these, these physical ailments that are trying to keep me down. And it shall not. All right, producer Chris Horvat, what do we got for Matt's Monday Mood Meter? His voice kind of sounds like that anyways. Hey, like hey, he's got a little hey, natural gargle to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can't do it. I don't have a I don't have a Travis Kelsey in my repertoire. How are you feeling today? If you are Kyle <laughs> Shanahan after uh, really watching your season go down in flames after your fourth string quarterback was injured. You know, I'm feeling fine. You know, it, it's really? the, Yeah, because it's the easiest. Okay, what I'm the only thing is maybe missed opportunity of not challenging that Devonta Smith catch on fourth and three that wasn't a reception. Can I ask you, when you saw that, did yeah. you, I knew right away that it wasn't a catch. Like, not only just the way that he caught it, but the way that he got up. Yes. That, that was the telltale that sign. That was the telltale sign. Was Yeah, he got up like he knew what he did. He knew. It's, it's, like, uh, it's like when you and your buddies are, are in a pool and everyone's drinking, and someone's on their fourth Bud Light, and you're like, you're peeing right now, aren't you, Steve? He's like, no, I'm not. Like, yeah, you are, Steve. You haven't moved in the last 48 seconds, and your eyes have rolled back. We know what you're doing. You <laughs> you're, can't lie to us. You're looking around all sketchy-eyed yeah. at people. Yeah, we you've know what you're doing. slowly moved away from the crowd. Um, <laughs> but if you're him, it's like, I was 
I, I had no quarterbacks. I couldn't dress Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, you're not winning against Philly when early in the game you lose your third-string quarterback, which is what Brock Purdy is, and then your fourth-string quarterback suffers a concussion early in the third quarter. I haven't seen anything today criticizing Shanahan at all. And nor should you, but if I'm him today... I'm feeling a little bit cursed. I don't know how you don't feel cursed after that. I mean, you trade all those draft picks for Trey Lance. He mm-hmm. mangles his leg early in the year. Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured yet again. Yeah. And then finally you think, okay, there's no way Brock Purdy is going to get injured too, right? Yeah. And, yeah, so if I'm him, I'm feeling quite cursed today. Oh, one other one real quick. I'm feeling thirsty. Thirsty oh. for Tom Brady. That man never gets hurt. It's true. It's true. Knowing Shanahan's luck, he would get hurt in week two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling today? Yeah. If you were Joseph Asai, yeah. after uh, what can only be described in my eyes as maybe the single biggest failed play in NFL history, like it is hard to remember a play that was a- as consequential as that one, like just in a negative way. Yeah, it really is. You got to go back, and of course, you would know this: the uh, Steelers Cowboys Super Bowl from, I believe it was nineteen seventy eight, where Jackie Smith dropped that touchdown wide open in the end zone, just bounced off his chest. I think Kirk Gowdy had the call. Anyway, move on from that. Um, I was negative twelve. <laughs> I was three. You're you're just you're just feeling so dejected. And like the thing is, the whole team beyond one linebacker had your back and was telling you, hey, don't worry about it, shake it off. And I think most social media was actually very kind to him. Now the first seven seconds after it happened, everyone's like, What the hell are you doing? But then you you know, you realize that just how fast that plays. It was a dumb play. Like make no mistake, that was a dumb, dumb play from him. And we all knew it right before he hit Mahomes. We're like, uh oh, dummy's about to do dummy thing, and he did. But I think most people just felt bad for him. Like just he was completely dejected. You know, I totally think that that's an accurate way to look at it. He should feel dejected, of course. But, I mean, based on some of the comments other than Jermaine Pratt, I also think that he has to feel pretty supported because I think so many of his other teammates came out and said, you know what, we don't lose on one play, even though, I mean, let's let's be honest, honest. (laughs) the whole season was lost on one play. Yeah, yeah. And listen, he had a great, also the shame, he had a great game. He was one of the most noticeable guys out there on either side of the ball. Yeah, until he was supposed to not be noticeable. Speaking of noticeable. Yeah. How are you feeling today if you were the mayor of Cincinnati? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know how I'm feeling? I'm feeling it could be worse. I could be Jerry Springer. If you, I don't know if you know this, Jerry Springer used to be the mayor of Cincinnati. Now, do you know one reason why he stopped being the mayor of Cincinnati? Uh, No, I don't have anything clever to say, so no. He paid for a hooker using a check. And he got caught. Oh, that explains that. Ex- yes. That explains to yes. the rest of his career path. That really, that really makes a lot of sense now. Now it needs to also be said. He's an incredibly smart man. I've heard him in. I've heard him doing long form interviews. Jerry Springer is a very smart individual. Great talker. Great, great talker. But uh, if I'm the current mayor of Cincinnati, I'm going. Well, at least I'm not Jerry Springer, and someone isn't whacking me with a with a with a whole bouquet of roses. You know, as they come on stage to 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 to. Uh, uh, go and accuse uh, their uh, some other woman for sleeping with their man. I'm feeling pretty humbled today. If yeah. I am the mayor of Cincinnati, yeah. I'm feeling regretful. Yeah. Uh, perhaps I should choose my words more carefully. I am, after uh, after all, an elected politician who you know should have some foresight to choose his words carefully. But alas, that is not what happened. Um, let's go to the NHL. All right, we one got time more. for one more. I'll do it quick. 
Ilya Samsonov. Yeah. How, are you, how are you feeling if you are him now that you know that you might have the net here for a little while with Matt Murray being injured? I'm feeling fantastic. I'm feeling that that game against Ottawa was was a blip. It's like I'm suddenly having to come in last minute. And of those six goals, how many of them? You know, the Shabbat goal wide open, the Baffleson goal wide open, uh, the 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 Brady Kachuk goal. Brady Kachuk just dragging Hall all over the place. Uh, if I'm Samsonov, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling energized, and I'm feeling this. Is the opportunity, and I better do better with this opportunity than Pontus Holberg did with his opportunity on Friday night as a second line center. He got uh, he got uh, knocked down a fourth. But if I'm Samsonov, I'm feeling great. Feeling great today. And I mean, there's no reason he shouldn't, right? He's mm-hmm. played so well, and obviously, I think the Leafs want to have Murray there in case. But uh, at this point, I, I I don't see how you. Can make the argument if the playoffs started today. Ilya Samsonov is your game one starter. There, there is no doubt about that. One hundred percent. And hey, Samsonov, life gets easier for you. You got the Bruins on Wednesday. Yeah, that's that's not so good. Uh, by the way, that game you can listen to right here on TSN 1050. Also, a reminder: John Tavares will be on Overdrive just after four o'clock. But coming up next, we stick with the Maple Leafs. Dave Alter, who covers the team for Inside the Maple Leafs, will join us. What the hell happened on Friday with Matt Murray? We get into that next. This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app.